You know, when I was about 15, I remember going on this youth camp and um, I remember it as one of the most probably um, sort of significant precursors to my coming to Jesus. And um, the reason why was because I, I didn't know it at the time, but I was experiencing the Holy Spirit. It went, but it was a precursor to me actually coming to Christ. And um, I'm not saying that this is the way that it happens every time for everybody, because the book of Acts tells us quite differently that, you know, even, I think it was in about Acts 19, Paul rocks up and he says to some, he found some disciples there one day and he says to them, um, oh, so you guys are believers in Jesus? And they're like, yes. And he says, so have you received the Holy Spirit? And they said, we've never heard of him. Who's the Holy Spirit? And so Paul lays hands on them. These are believers in Jesus, disciples of Christ who'd never heard of the Holy Spirit. And so he lays hands on them and they receive the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. So there's this experience of the Holy Spirit that can be either as a precursor to coming to Christ, it can be a post-cursor after having met Christ. There's no rules on it is what I'm trying to say is because God's at work and moving and very dynamic. Um, but for me, when I was about 15, I went on this youth camp. There was about 30 of us there. And, um, and um, you know, at 15, you're all very awkward and full of yourself at the same time. And, 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 and as we gathered this weekend, I can't even remember the name. There was some guy that came and spoke to us for the weekend. And I can't remember his name. I, I kind of have a bit of an image in my mind of what he may have looked like. And um, anyways, I have no idea what he said about anything, to be honest. I can't remember a dot of what he said, but I do remember what happened. I remember that on the Saturday night, we were just, um, we were in the campfire and then we were back up in the, um, the meeting room and he shared whatever he shared and then all of a sudden there was um, some of the young boys and girls as we were, we, people started crying, just like, that's weird. We just, like, there was no emotional sort of, you know, involvement of anything. It was just all of a sudden some people started crying and some guys just all of a sudden just was like, like, fessing up all their sin. It was just like, I've been doing this and I don't want to do this anymore. And it was like just just coming out of people, these, these young people as we were at the time. And, uh, and for me, all I remember was I was having this incredible sense of the nearness of God and, I, and it made me freak out a little bit and I just went, no, <laughs> not for me, thank you very much. I'm just going to keep you over there. And um, anyway, but that was a precursor for me where I experienced God beginning to crash through with his presence, with his love, with his spirit on my life. And then between there and, you know, four years later, he radically crashed through into my life at age 19 and he delivered me out from underneath the rule and reign of Satan and into the kingdom of his children in his glorious light and presence. And, uh, and it was a really, like that, that moment was a massive encounter for me with the person of the Holy Spirit. And he, he powerfully met me and transformed my heart. And for me, that was a night and day type experience where I woke up like this and then the next day I woke up like that. 
after meeting with God. It was a night and day type thing. And um, so the Holy Spirit in that moment has been, um, and from that moment to this moment, he's been aggressively in his love pursuing me. And he hasn't stopped. (laughs) He hasn't stopped. Even after 25 years of being in relationship with Jesus, the Holy Spirit is still pursuing me on a daily basis to bring me into the knowledge of what Jesus has done for me and what Jesus is doing with my life and that I might enter into all of the joy that's in the Father's heart, uh, you know, for my life and for those around me. And so this morning, it was an early start at our house. This morning we got up early. It was like about 4.30 a.m. because... Luke, Luke was off to his first triathlon this morning up at the Sunshine Coast and he's, he's finished now, which is great. He's done well. But it was an early start and so Nicole and Luke had to go off to that this morning and, and, and so I just kind of sat there in the dark after they left with a cup of coffee and I just thought, Lord, um, I just want to sit with you and be with you in the dark just before the sun rises, you know. It's a really nice time of the day. Well, I appreciate it now at this stage more than I <laughs> did at another time in my life, but the, it's a really amazing time. And as I sat there, I just experienced the burning of my heart with the nearness of the Holy Spirit. And he just started to just burn in my heart again. And I just said, Lord, you, you just haven't left me alone You continue to meet me every day with your presence and your power and your wisdom and your grace, and I'm so thankful. And so this morning, I just want to publicly say, I love you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. And I'm thankful that you have been such a faithful and powerful person in my journey with Jesus. And I want to give you thanks, Holy Spirit. You've helped me to get my eyes off myself. And I want to say thank you for that, Holy Spirit. I want to say thank you that you've helped me to get my eyes on Jesus and his greater glory in the earth. And I thank you that you've placed me in a group of people called your church whom you love and whom you've given love for me. I want to say thank you, Holy Spirit. He is a wonderful person of the Trinity. And as I sat there this morning, I I was reminded too, as the Holy Spirit started to burn in my heart, of the passion that Jesus has for me. The overwhelming love that Jesus has for me. And for his church. And for the lost. And he's so... Wonderful, and I just want to say, Holy Spirit, I think you're so wonderful that you help me keep my heart open to the Father's work through my life. And I want to say thank you, Holy Spirit, that you anoint me with your presence and that you gift me with supernatural giftings from the Father's presence. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you... Um, you're com- and this, thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're committed to loving my character 
that it might look like Jesus. This is why I love the Holy Spirit. This is who he is. So I just want to give you a little bit. So before we get into the reading the word, I just wanted to say, Holy Spirit, I love you. Um, maybe you might like to just do that right now too. Just, you know, just even as I've been saying that stuff, it's like, yeah, you know what? You've been really busy in my life. Holy Spirit, we love you. We love you, Holy Spirit. Now, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, we see this event take place. Um, now, if you have your Bible, open it up quickly, Acts chapter 2, or you've got your, um, your phone app, uh, your Bible app. Open it up, Acts chapter 2, and I'll quickly read here. When the day of, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all gathered together in one place, and suddenly a, wi- a, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each person there. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard them speaking in his own language. Now these guys must have been like, fairly noisy about this because there's probably about, you know, maybe about this size of people there, maybe 120 people there, about this this kind of group size and they were in a room together and God visits them and then the surrounding reality is there's nearby people <laughs> from and they're going, what is this we're hearing? What is this we're hearing? And it's drawn their attention to what's going on in this house. So they must have been loud about it, I think. That's just me thinking that. But I assume it was loud enough to get their attention. Um, And when they heard the sound, they came out together in bewilderment because they heard them speaking in their own language. And utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? That was a bit of a a knock. It's kind of like, uh, aren't these guys from Launton? <laughs> you know, it's, seriously, it's like that. It's like that. That's what that was a bit of a jab. <laughs> it's like, who are these guys? Aren't they from Launton? You know, it's like that's the way it was perceived. Um, and then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judah, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya, near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and they said they've had too much wine. And then Peter stood up in the 11, with the 11 and he raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Hey, look, I just want to encourage you. There's a little take home right there in that sentence. When Peter stood up, the 11 rose with him. Whenever someone that you're with is sharing Jesus with another and you're there, be with them in it. Be with them in it as they're sharing with others, Okay. 
Stand with them in it. Bring your faith to what's going on in that experience, okay? There's, there's a reason why Luke said, while Peter stood up and preached an amazing message, the 11 stood with him. In other words, don't worry, mate, we're with you. We're with you. So whenever anyone's in small groups teaching or you're sharing in the coffee shops or whoever's up here preaching, be with them. Be with them, okay? It's a, there's an important role that we all play in the proclamation of the kingdom. Um, and uh, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will turn to darkness, the moon to blood, before the coming in the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And on he goes. He preaches to them about the reality of Jesus. And then if we quickly jump through down to verse 37, when the people heard this, so he just goes in and proclaims Jesus and his role in, in history and they pick it up and they say, the people heard this and they were cut to the heart. So the kingdom will always appeal to the heart of a person. Cuts to the heart and says to Peter and the other apostles, what shall we do, brothers? And they replied, repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sin and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord will call. And with many other words, Peter warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted the message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Now, it's really important there in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost came... Pentecost is not a Christian celebration, okay? It just happens, though, that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of a Jewish festival called Pentecost. Pentecost is a Jewish celebration. And it's really important you understand the backstory to realise what God was doing in this moment. And the backstory of Pentecost goes like this. When the people of God were being delivered out from Egypt in the Exodus account... Um, the night before they get delivered, they get told they need to slaughter a lamb. So they slaughter a lamb and they spread the blood of the lamb over the doorpost of every home. And then that night, the spirit of death passed over Egypt. And everyone whose home was under the blood of the lamb on the door, the firstborn of their family lived. And everybody who lived in a home that didn't have the blood of the lamb over the door, their firstborn died. And that was a big statement in that moment because God was dealing with Pharaoh who thought he was divine and thought himself to be the son of God on earth and that his son had divinity. God was, Moses' God was asserting his authority and saying, well, actually, no, you're not. I am God. 
And as a result of that moment, then the next, in the next little while, these people, as Passover finishes, these people are delivered out from underneath the oppressive rule, both spiritual and political and physical, over the Israelite people. And they're set free to begin the journey with God. So now they're on journey. They come to the mountain of Sinai. And this happens 50 days after they've been delivered out of Egypt. Now, it's interesting. So they've been delivered. It's 50 days later. They're at the mountain, and Moses goes up the mountain and gets the Ten Commandments. And then Mo comes back down the mountain, and he gives to the people the Ten Commandments, and he says to them, look, guys, there's some more detailed instruction I need to go get. So he goes to be with with the Lord again on the mountain, and he gets the instructed detail. And in Exodus 23, there's this little bit in there where some of the detail that the Lord gave to Moses was this. He said, at the end of Passover every year, what you need to do 50 days later is you need to bring an offering to me of all of the first fruits of your labours, of the new crop that's coming in to harvest. And you need to bring that to me as an offering of thanksgiving. And it's meant to happen 50 days after Passover. So they get delivered. They're at the mountain 50 days later. God says, this is an important bit of detail, Moses. At the end of Passover, every year when the new crop's about to come in, 50 days later, you're meant to bring that harvest into me as an offering of thanksgiving. So Moses up on the mountain... And the reason why he's up on the mountain um, alone is because of this. In Exodus, it tells us that the presence, the manifest presence of God comes over the mountain. And it's dark. There's lightning, thunder. And it's one of those awe awe moments. It's like, oh my gosh, this God is real and and like we don't want to get too close. And God's inviting them all into his presence. And the people say to Moses... No, we don't want to go into his presence. We are seriously fearful of him. You go on our behalf. You get the detail. You come back and tell us what to do. So the people on the invitation of God choose to distance themselves from God and the invitation that was from God to his people. His manifest presence was there leading them, inviting them into more of his presence. And they go, nope. No, no, no. We just want to keep it at this length from here to there. We want to keep you at bay, basically. So Moses is like up on the mountain on his own, and he comes back down the mountain. And as he comes back down the mountain, because he's been up there a while, getting the detail, the finer print, he comes back down and he looks out and he goes, Oh my gosh, what's going on? The people of Israel, they thought Moses been away too long, having a chat to God, so we're going to fashion our own God. They make a golden calf out of all their gold and stuff and they're bowing down. They're basically having a massive orgy and getting crazy under the power of demons and it's all going crazy and Moses comes back down the mountain and he goes, what the heck is going on here? So he's on the mountain in the presence of God, receiving the laws of God. He comes back down. The people have said, we don't want you, God. We only want to keep you there so that way we can keep your presence over there. So just give us a law between you and us so we know how to behave. And but in doing that, 
they end up choosing to behave their own way anyway. Moses comes down the mountain and he goes, oh my gosh, and the Lord is like, that's it, Moses, I've had it with these people of mine. I have had it. They are so stiff-necked, I've had it with them. And then what, has, what happens is that um, the, the priests among them, they end up going through the crowd that day and 3,000 people died. 3,000 people died that day. So this is where the origins of Pentecost comes from. And then after they die, we see in Exodus 33, after those 3,000 people die, Moses realised what's happened. The people have rejected the presence of God to be on their life and lead them. And they would rather have a rule book and a manual of law instead. And he goes to prayer for the people in Exodus 33. He's like, oh God, I'm so sorry. Would you have mercy on us? Wherever you go, we're, we're not moving unless you're moving. Let your presence be on us. They're a desperate people for the presence of God. Moses realised that what got lost was that everyone would know the presence of God. And so he, he became a man of intercession and prayer that one day, oh God, your presence would be restored to your people. And that's the prayer of Moses in Exodus 33. So this is Pentecost. So now, let's flip back into Acts chapter 2 very quickly. What's happening is, when the day of Pentecost came, so all the Jewish people are celebrating. They're coming together into town. They're bringing their harvest. And it's 50 days over their Passover celebration, after their Passover celebration. And in fact, it's now... 50 days since Jesus has been crucified and resurrected. And as John would refer to Jesus, John refers to Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the Exodus account is now actually being replayed and God's redeeming it. And so what happens, we read in the book of Acts, is right there, 50 days after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, because he walked around for about 40 days teaching, and it's probably about 10 days after he was ascended to be with the Father, the Spirit comes. And again, we see it's the manifestation of the presence of God. And this time, it's not just on or for one person. But now, through the new intermediary, Moses, now Jesus, he now releases the Spirit onto all flesh. So everyone can be a presence bearer of the living God. Can you see how God's redeeming and replaying? And isn't it interesting, if you read the account a little bit further there at the end of Acts chapter 2, how many people got saved that day? 3,000. Isn't that like God? He's just like taking what was once a mashup and, and then totally like, okay, I'm flipping this back into reality and I'm bringing it about. And it's everything that the prophets have cried out for for ages, that people, the people of God in the earth, the, the new constituted people of God in the earth would be presence carriers of the living God. Isn't that amazing how God's done that? 
Like all that time and space between what happened with Moses and the people delivering from, being delivered from Egypt to the, to the now. So Pentecost is actually a Jewish celebration. But it was on that day, 50 days after they celebrate Passover, the blood of the lamb, and they get freedom. Now Jesus, blood of the lamb, resurrected 50 days later, pours out his spirit. I just look at that and I go, that is awesome. How could God orchestrate something like that? He's totally redeeming. He's God. That's right. He's God. So God's presence descended on the mountain. God's presence descended on the people. On the mountain, it was thunder, bolts and lightning, very, very frightening me. But on the people of Jesus at Pentecost... It's the presence of God with wind and fire. Again, a physiological manifestation of the presence of God. The presence of God is not some noetic idea alone. It's a pneumatic, powerful spirit reality. It is both noetic and pneumatic. In other words, it appeals to here, but it also manifests in real power to transform lives. The people of God in Exodus refused to have fellowship with God. The people that the Spirit fell on that day, they were in that room crying out, Oh God, oh God, oh God, we need you more than ever. And he answered that with the outpouring of his Spirit. The law was given on the mountain and the people turned to self-worship. Rebellion was the fruit. 3,000 people died. In the room that day, the Holy Spirit was poured out. The people worshipped the living God with declaration of wonders of God in their own tongues. People were cut to the heart and they turned to God and 3,000 people were saved into the kingdom that day. I just love this stuff. Our God is so awesome. You've got to understand so that when we as the Christian church as, and as unique Christian individuals, as followers of Jesus, the sending of the Spirit is not some individual consumeristic feel-good session. We're stepping into a redemptive move of God in the earth from ages back that's now being ushered forth sent in the name of Jesus. That's what it means to belong to the power of the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're being ushered into the redeeming, saving work of God in the earth. Because God was desperate to fulfill his covenant promises to Abraham and to establish for himself a kingdom people who would bless the world in his love. We're stepping into an all-powerful God-establishing kingdom story in the earth And he rules the heavens and the earth. And now as the people of his kingdom from every tribe and nation and tongue get to carry his powerful manifest presence, the person of the Holy Spirit, to continue to advance God's kingdom in the earth as we reach out and tear people free. Know this. We're reaching out and tearing them free from underneath the reign of Satan and bringing them into the kingdom of the Son in Jesus. Signs, wonders, healing, prophecy, deliverance, justice, generosity, love for the body of Christ, love for the lost and the outcast. That's what it means 
to be a people of the Spirit. The reign of God is here. God has turned everything back around for his greater glory and for the joy of people. That's why we celebrate today. And that's what happens when we pray, Holy Spirit, come. That's what we're stepping into. It's a massive deal. It's a massive deal. There's a whole bunch of things that the Holy Spirit does and his character and outworkings, but I, I, I won't go into all of that this morning. I do want to just share a quick story with you, and then we're going to pray. Last Sunday, uh, or last Saturday night it was, when I was down in um, Victoria with the Westgate Vineyard guys, you know, it's kind of like in any gathering, there's those people who are like, yeah, 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 we want what, you, what you're offering. And then you've got those that are like, yeah, 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 well, we're not sure. And then you've got those that are like, just stay away from me. Okay? You got, it was kind of one of those environments. And that's all okay. That's fine. I'm happy to be in those environments. But as, as I was doing some teaching, all of a sudden, um, the Lord spoke to me. Now, when I say spoke to me, it's just like this little sense of my mind um, being aware of something that's on God's heart. And I... I sensed he saying to me, him saying to me, there are people here, Kirk, who said yes to following me with everything they've got. And the moment they did that, their health took a big hit. Like the enemy just went to try and put them back in the corner. And I was just, so I'm teaching away, teaching away. And then I said, hey, listen, I feel like God's just talking to me. And, uh, and this is what he told me. Is there anyone here that's in the room like that? And like there's four people put their hands up. Like they couldn't get their hand up quick enough. Like this. And I said, well, uh, let's pray for you and let's ask Jesus to heal you. So I got a small teams operating. Got a couple of people around each person praying for the Holy Spirit to come. And as the Lord was beginning to minister through them, his healing power, I was kind of commentating. You'll see over here, this is happening here. And I'm trying to commentate to help everyone understand what's going on. And as I'm commentating, all of a sudden, I, I, you know, one of the ladies that was there, she, had, she was in excruciating pain with her knee. And as the team prayed for her, the, she received complete healing in her leg. It was like the pain left, the strength came back, the whole deal. And it was their own people doing the stuff. It was awesome. It wasn't the visiting preacher. You know, it was just them doing the stuff that they can always do. And, and, and they just haven't been activated in it, you know? And so they're doing it and they see here. Anyway, this lady, she gets up and she notices across the room there's this gentleman there and he's probably about 50 years of age. I was having um, uh, dinner with him before the session and I, I found out his backstory. He was just there because he's... His partner, uh, who he's dating, she was there and she loves Jesus and he's just like, well, I'm just along for the ride because she's here, you know. And uh, anyway, all of a sudden, she spots him across the room. And the reason why her attention after being healed is drawn to him because he's sitting there and all of a sudden he's doing these. He's going, (sighs) (sighs) like really labouring in his breathing, really heavy. And meanwhile... John Bajaya and me and a few others, we're driving a demon out of this person over here. And I'm like, what's going on over there? 
And then all of a sudden this lady, she goes over to this gentleman and he's like, <laughs> like this. And she's like, are you all right? And he goes, yeah, my heart. And then he says, it feels like there's all this electricity running through it. And she just says, do you want to give your life to Christ? And he goes, yes, I do. And he gives his life to Jesus and he enters into the kingdom of God. Right there, just like that. Just like that. Just like that. I just had a little sense. God was saying, there's someone in the room that's got, been beat up since they said yes to Jesus. They, their health took a hit. Then Jesus' people went to business where the, the hit took place and they saw the kingdom of God come and establish itself where the enemy had sought to shut that person down and disqualify them. And then that very person with the sensitivity of God's just touched me, I'm healed, had the awareness to see that God's doing something else in the room and went to that person and said, what's going on? And they said, my heart, my heart. And they said, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And they said, yes, I do. And they got to lead them into the kingdom of God. Talk about robbing the enemy. Talk about robbing the enemy of his work in the earth. Here's this person who's been beaten up and shut down by the work of the enemy. Jesus liberates and heals and touches and fills them of an awareness of his kingdom person in someone else's life. And they go and enter, drag that person out of the darkness and into the kingdom of light. And now we get to count him alongside us on that great day. He's going to be with us and we're going, hey, I was there, dude. I remember you. Awesome. That was just one of many things that happened last weekend. I thought that was a pretty cool one. Because <laughs> it was God redeeming something that had been robbed from people. When that invitation came to follow that person to follow Jesus with everything they had, they'd been beaten up and it had been they'd been robbed from because they'd said yes to following Jesus. And then the Lord says, "It's all good. I'm going to turn this all around. And there'll be no longer death there." But there will be life there and over there. And so the kingdom of God advances. Yes. Pentecost is an opportunity for us to all re-engage with Jesus' love and passion and the fire of being people who carry the spirit of the living God for our life, for the building up of the body of Jesus, the church in the earth, and through that wonderful vehicle called his people gathered and scattered and gathered and scattered and gathered and scattered, the greater glory of God moves in power to rob the enemy of his work and to establish joy forevermore. Are we living each day like that? Would we describe our experience of walking in step with the Spirit or in the power of the Spirit? Would we describe our life as setting people free from the power of sin and death? Would we describe our life as being set ablaze with the manifest love and the fire of the living God and His Spirit upon us? Would we take the words of Paul's exhortation to the Corinthians and it's a word of command that Paul gives them. It's not an option or a 
oh, I just need to pray about this. Paul says, eagerly desire the power gifts of the Spirit. He's, he's not saying you need to go away and think of this. He's commanding them. It's not, a, oh, I'll just be open and passive. That's not biblical instruction. Biblical instruction is you need to eagerly desire this. That's the kingdom position. Are you fulfilling your part and your place in the life and the witness of the local church in the earth? Can you clearly hear his voice? Are you knowing his wisdom in your circumstances for you, for your workplace, for your family, for your body, for your life, for your joy? One Thessalonians five nineteen, do not put out the spirit's fire and treat prophecies with contempt. Now you might be sitting there going, you know, well, the Lord's had a few chats with me about that one, about treating prophetic encouragement with contempt. Contempt means just like, oh yeah, thanks God, I'll leave it over there and get busy with my life, rather than actually going, you know what, you just spoke to me. And I'm going to choose to bring everything that I am and all that I have into alignment with your goodwill for my life. And I'm going to live in the power of that prophetic utterance over my life and, and not treat what your word is to me as contemptuously. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that pours forth from the mouth of God. That's where the life is. And that's why Paul's saying, get busy prophesying and moving in the power of the Spirit. Because without it, the voice of God turns down, the enemy squashes it out, the volume of the world gets large, the brokenness of sin comes in. Don't treat the things that God has said to us with contempt, which basically means I'm just going to ignore it or be passive about it. So this morning we're just going to pray and we're going to invite the Lord to just align us with his love and his life and his will in the, in the Holy Spirit in our life. And that we too, like her name was Teresa, her name. They call her Mama Teresa. Teresa, she, she was healed because God just gave me a hunch, a word, a picture. Gave me a hunch. She got healed. The people of Jesus got busy around her. She got healed and then she went and set a captive free and brought him into the kingdom of God. We just want to live in the flow of that. We want to live as people of the presence. Okay? And I think maybe we just need to take a minute just to go, you know what, God? If I have undervalued the things that you have said to me over the years and even in the days, recent days, if I have undervalued that or treated that contemptuously, I'm really sorry and I ask that you'd forgive me. And you create in me, by the power of your spirit, a new heart. And see if there's any offensive way in me. Search me. Try me, God. 
Bring me back into the flow of the fullness of your manifest power and presence on my life. For my life, for your glory, and for this massive move of yours in the earth that you're inviting me to be a part of in the power of your Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, I just give you thanks and praise for all that you've done and are doing among us this morning. Holy Spirit, would you just come and just renew our hearts, touch our hearts. For some of us, we might be feeling like, oh God, I'm here again. That's okay. You're here again. And so is the Lord. Holy Spirit, would you just come and bring bring to our heart and our mind that conversation that we need to have this morning of where we've maybe undervalued your prophetic words to our life and not realised the power and the love with which it came. Lord, we're sorry for that. And with sincerity and humility, we ask that you would graciously bring us back again, Lord, and fan into a flame again, Lord, the work of your Spirit in our life. We love you, Holy Spirit, and we love how you bring Jesus alive to us. And we love how you grace us with power to join Jesus in robbing the enemy of any assumed glory and seeing others come into your kingdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would release to the heart of everyone a fresh revelation of the prophetic word of the Father to each of us. Just ask that you'd release it to each heart now. And that we would, we would come to that as you're speaking to us. We would bring our heart to what you're saying. Let our lives be shaped by you, God. Your living, manifest presence. Your Holy Spirit. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Some of you might need to just pay attention to that conversation a bit more as this week unfolds, even as today unfolds. You might need to actually go back and bring, bring out of the cupboard some of those old journals of prophetic history that God's written into your life and revisit them again. Help us, God. We want to live in the flow of your spirit. We want to keep in step with you, Holy Spirit. We want to have your character, your ways, your fruit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.